If you guys want to go ahead and open your Bibles, um, we'll, we'll eventually get to Second uh, Peter chapter 1, which is our theme passage. I'm going to bounce through a few passages or, or maybe even just single verses before that. Um, so if you want to follow along, that's fine. Um, this is our, our theme uh, Sunday. So we have, an, we have our yearly theme that's based in Second Peter chapter 1 where we're adding things to our faith. And we're doing that because of the promises God has made to us. And fundamentally or foundationally, because of the promise He's made, that we can partake in the divine nature. Um, that may not seem like a big deal because we were created in His image, but it is a big deal because of our sins, marring that image and taking on a different nature than the nature He intended for us. So... The characteristic that we're going to talk about, as Blake mentioned, is brotherly kindness. It's translated brotherly affection, brotherly love sometimes. Um, and we'll get into um, what those words mean and what that, actually what that Greek word is because it's an easy Greek word, Philadelphia. <laughs> it's one of the easy ones, right? So we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about the Greek because I'm confident saying Philadelphia. <clears throat> and I'm not confident saying anything else in Greek. Um, before we get to that, though, I think it's, it's good for us to recognize that family is special in the Bible and outside the Bible. Family is special. Um, even if people don't say that, you look at how they interact with their family or what their expectations are for their family members or what their expectations are for you and how you treat your family members. Family is special. Um, the first relationship for mankind was creator and created, but also father to son. You know, when you look at the genealogy of Jesus in Luke chapter 3, it ends with, and Adam, the son of God. Um, he was his father. He walked with him in the garden. He told him what he needed to know. There was no one else to tell him anything. And God made that plain to him by bringing the animals to him and saying, here, here's the rest of creation. Tell me what you think. And at the end of it, it's like, yeah, there's, there's nothing here suitable for me. It was Adam and his father. The next relationship is husband and wife. Family. And the next relationship, parents and children. Family. You can see the relationships that are introduced to mankind, and specifically Adam, are all fundamentally in, in primacy, I guess you would say, family every time. And it's not just that they were introduced to Adam and mankind that way. They're introduced to us when we read the Bible that way. When we see the creation, we see what God intended for us to know first. Family is important. Family's special, family's different than other relationships. It's, it holds a primary position. You know, it's not just implied in those circumstances. Um, in, in the unfolding of the creation account, in fact, when God asks Cain about Abel, where's your brother? He's implying that Cain is his brother's keeper. And Cain knows that. 
because you know because of the question he asks. He's offended. Right? Am I my brother's keeper? Well, the reason he asked that is God has already said, yeah, you're your brother's keeper. That's why I'm asking you. So it's, it's implied in the unfolding of the creation story, but it's more specifically implied when God says, tell me where your brother is. What's going on? The special relationship um, extends beyond individuals. In Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 17, I always found this interesting. Jehovah tells Israel not to detest an Edomite. Because, and I quote from Deuteronomy 23, 17, he is your brother. Also, Amos chapter 1, verse 11, this is similar to that. God pronounces judgment on Edom because, and I quote, he pursued his brother with the sword while he stifled his compassion, meaning his own compassion. I'm going to stifle my own compassion. I'm going to pursue. Well, you know, is he just talking about mankind or what? Well, no. Edom came from Esau. Israel came from Jacob. Israel was Jacob. They were brothers. But God is using that relationship, the brotherhood of Jacob and Esau, to say the descendants of these peoples have a special responsibility to each other. And he commands in Deuteronomy, you will not hate, you will not despise, you will not raise yourself above an Edomite. And the reason he gives in the text is because he's your brother. He doesn't give any other reason than that. He doesn't say because I created all men and therefore you don't live. He says because he's family. Right? You know, familial relationships are also exalted in the New Testament. It's not just the Old Testament. It's not an implication. It's not in law. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 5, verse 8, if anyone does not provide for his own and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. It doesn't say anything here about what that person believes at all. It simply says, if anyone doesn't provide for his own, and did you notice it says especially for those of his household? That means his own is larger than his household. Your own is larger than your household. I'm not telling you that. The Holy Spirit's telling you that. And if we don't provide for our own, which is bigger than our household, Paul tells Timothy, well, we're worse than unbelievers. Family is not just special, like rainbows and unicorns and... Right? Like that kind of special. It's special with weight. There's importance with it. There's accountability and responsibility with that special. Uh, that's what I see that Paul wrote to Timothy. You know, in that same, te- in that same context, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, there's this larger context that that verse is taken out of talking about widows. Uh, what, what does the church do about widows? What, how do we take care of widows? Where does the bur- where responsibility of, of that fall? And he's delineating, well, okay, here's what the church does, here's what family does. That's the delineation. You know, earlier in that passage, 
Paul says there are some widows where the church should not be burdened with with the support of the widow who has children or grandchildren. Because, and I quote from verse 4, 1 Timothy 5, verse 4, they, speaking of the children and grandchildren, must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and make some return to their parents. For this is acceptable in the sight of God. So in God's sight, the acceptable way for a person's needs to be met is by his or her children. Which means to not do that is unacceptable to God. That doesn't sound like a very harsh word, right? But when you have a holy God and he says something's unacceptable, that's harsh. It's as harsh as it gets. It's sin, what it means. Family is important. It's a big deal. And we've, we've spent so much time looking at God's attitude toward family. Because the quality that we're considering is brotherly kindness, brotherly affection, brotherly love that we're supposed to have for Christians as a family. And we're not going to get into the love we're supposed to have for the world, which is there, the love we're supposed to have for all mankind, which is there and true. We're talking about the brotherly special affection we're supposed to have as believers among believers. It's different in the sense that God has said family has a special place. And that was all blood relative, right? Even blood relatives, God still says in the New Testament, that holds a special place above other people. But we see this binding now on Christians as family. So let's look in in 2 Peter Mm -hmm. chapter 1. I'm not going to read the full context of where our theme comes from. I'm just going to read uh, the characteristics, the list, you know, that, that we all think of, right? Uh, verse 5, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence, in your faith supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence knowledge, and in your knowledge self-control, and in your self-control perseverance, and in your perseverance godliness, and in your godliness brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. I will make note of this because I think I'm going to come back to this a little bit later. Beginning of, of verse 5, I think we've, we've talked about this in the past, but it says, with all diligence do this. Which means it doesn't just happen, you know, while I'm sitting around on the couch, you know, watching Atlanta United. You know, and I think, oh, you know, maybe I should just text Daniel and just be brotherly kindly to him. <laughs> You know, console him because Atlanta's losing or something. You know, this is something that requires diligence where I sit down in meditation and say, okay, who needs kindness? Who can I be kind to? Who am I in a position to be kind to? Planning it out. I mean, that's not cold and calculating being kind to somebody, but that's what diligence is. And then the next day, you say, okay. Who can I be kind to today? What am I going to plan on doing today, tomorrow, when I see them next time? Am I going to create a way to see that person so that I can be kind to them? This is diligence. 
It's not happenstance. Right? So I wanted to mention that because if I don't bring it back up, I think it's important to, that it's in the text. As I mentioned, the Greek word there is Philadelphia. So if you go back and look in verse 7, it says, And in your godliness, Philadelphia. Right? Add, as you're adding these things to your faith, in your godliness, add to that Philadelphia. Right? That's, that's what it says. Philadelphos, right? The, I guess the base word for Philadelphia is made of two smaller words, philos and adelphos. Those are easy to say too. They sound a lot like Philadelphia. <clears throat> philos is just a generic word for friend. It's used 29 times in the New Testament. And if you see the word friend, you can be fairly certain it's philos. It's just a, the basic word, friend. That's all it is. Adelphos is that simple as well. It just means brother or brethren. And it's used hundreds of times in the New Testament. Everywhere you see brother or brethren, it's Adelphos. So the Chinnis translation of Philadelphia would have been brotherly friendliness, and which is why I don't have a translation of the Bible, because that sounds crazy. Um, you know, that, that translation, though, is you know, an engineer's translation. I'm just looking at the two words putting the mechanics of it together, friend, brother, let that grow. But the context that that word's used in in the New Testament is way more powerful in helping us understand what that means. It's only used six times in the New Testament. That word only shows up six times. And it's twice in this passage, so it really only shows up in five verses in the New Testament. We're not going to look at all those. We're only going to look at two others. I think they carry enough weight for us to understand what Philadelphia is. Romans 12, verses 9 through 13. Let's read that. Romans 12, beginning in verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. The word that we're looking for was back up in verse 10, be devoted to one another in Philadelphia. That's what it says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. The second verse we're going to look at, and we're going to get into each of these in more detail, is 1 Peter chapter 1. It comes from the passage that Daniel read for us this morning. I'm not going to read that whole passage. I'm just going to read the one verse that falls in, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. To me, this is... For me, this, this passage, the one that Daniel read, and this verse specifically within that passage, are the most powerful statements of what brotherly love is. And, and we're going we're gonna to get to that. 1 Peter 1, says, Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. And you can see where our word is, right? Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere Philadelphia, fervently love one another from the heart. Now you can see in, in both these passages that... <clears throat> This Philadelphia, this brotherly kindness or brotherly love is tied very closely to love. 
like the agape, we would say agape mm. love. That's the word love used in both of these. Well, I'm not going to talk about that because that's what our final theme lesson is. <laughs> right? If you go back to Second Peter chapter 1, what we're supposed to add to brotherly kindness is love. Well, that's the agape love. Right? So I'm not going to spend the sermon on that. But you can see in these passages right, that that brotherly affection, that brotherly tenderness, maybe that's a good way to think about it, brotherly tenderness toward each other, right, helps us love. So how do we cultivate that? What is that itself? It's not love. It's something different, right? What is that? So let's look at Romans 12. Like I said, we're going to look at these two passages, and then that's going to be the lesson. We're going to look at these two in detail. Verse 10 says we should be devoted to one another in Philadelphia. Well, you, you ever think about the fact that there's lots of ways to be devoted to one another? Um, you know, we could be devoted to one another in, in a, out of a sense of duty. Right? Um, you know, I'm going to serve you because it's my duty. It makes God happy. I'm not happy about it. My attitude doesn't make you happy about it. But at least God's happy. Right? And I'm going to be devoted to that. It's my duty. So I'm just going to do it. Well, that's a type of devotion. I mean, if you're really devoted to it, it's a type of devotion. But that's not the devotion we're supposed to have toward one another. The devotion... What's supposed to define my devotion to you, and each individual, I don't mean as a group, to you, is Philadelphia. This brotherly kindness. Right? So now I get an, some idea of what this Philadelphia means. It's an internal thing that's supposed to drive me to do something. It's a motivation. It's not just some outward show. It's not a statement. I brotherly love you. And that's not Philadelphia. Okay, so we're getting a little bit of a grasp, right? It's a, it's a motivator. It's a driver. You know, we could be devoted to one another in reciprocity. I have this deal with all kinds of people. It's unspoken. It's your turn to buy dinner. You know, I bought it last time. And it's not cold-hearted or mean or anything. It's just that's the relationship I have with those people. You know, because we get together and we're like, hey, who bought last time? You know, you did. Oh, okay, well then it's my turn, right? We could be devoted to one another in reciprocity, right? Where I just have this expectation that once I've served you, you're going to serve me back. And until you do, well, you're not getting any more out of me. That could, that's a type of devotion. And, and most times, to be fair, it's, fr- it's friendly, Right? But at the third or fourth or fifth time that I've bought dinner, it's not getting friendly anymore. Because <laughs> I, I had this, this foundation of reciprocity defines us getting together for dinner, and the reciprocity is all on me now. Like, you know, I'm reciprocating to myself. <laughs> this ain't cool. Right? That's not what our devotion is supposed to be. It's not reciprocity. And because we have these friendly reciprocities, sometimes that creeps into our attitude toward each other and each other in the church. How many times do I have to do this for you? Again? 
What's going on? Now, it's, not, it's okay to ask what's going on, right? But you can also ask what's going on in a way that you don't really care what the answer is. Because you immediately follow it up with, I'm not going to keep doing this. Well, you know, whatever. Right? It's okay to hold each other responsible, right, if we make commitments and things like that. But we can't have this attitude of reciprocity is what defines our devotion to one another. And that you've got to keep up your end of the bargain to me. For me to keep expressing to you and showing to you brotherly affection. Or even maintaining a relationship with you. Right? This Philadelphia is more than friendliness, right? I, I translate it as brotherly friendliness, right? Just kind of joking, half-jokingly. Like the engineer in me says, that's what it is, because that's what it means. The context of the Bible says that is not what it is. It's way more than friendliness. It has weight. It has the weight of family behind it. It has the weight of this text that says it's supposed to be the source you draw on for your devotion to another person. It's not friendliness. Right? And it's not all seriousness and, and, and you know, dark and, oh, you know, um, but it, it's, a, it's a weighty thing is what I'm trying to say. Brotherly affection is a weighty thing. And it's something we need to cultivate so that we are devoted to each other because of that and not for some other reason. Right? I also, also like the part of that, um, that passage at the end of verse 10. Right, it, it starts out, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, and then it ends with, give preference to one another in honor. That, I think, also sheds some light on what this brotherly affection is. I prefer to see you honored above me. It really is my preference. I would love for you to receive the honor and me to never be seen or thought about in any circumstance. And it's more than saying that, right? It's really preferring it. Like you get excited. Like I get excited, right, when Barbara is exalted or lifted up for whatever reason. Because I, I've cultivated in myself a preference for her honor and not mine. That doesn't mean I never receive honor or I, I have this kind of false humility. Oh, no, 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 you can't ever honor me. Right? Because if someone honors me, well, that's great. That's, that's their decision, their right, whatever. But my preference, my preference is, well, you know what? Really, that honor should go to Barbara because she really planted the idea in my head. That's why I followed up on it. You know, whatever, right? It's not trying to deflect everything, but it's being honest and saying, you know what? The honor for this really does go to someone else. And you delight in that. You're like, yes, Barbara got honored. Right? That's brotherly affection, part of it, right? Brotherly kindness, brotherly love, brotherly friendliness. 
And that desire or preference for them to be honored is what causes you to be devoted to them. I'm looking for every opportunity I can for them to be honored. We're commanded to add that to ourselves, to our faith. How are you doing? And I say that with a grimace because I don't feel like I'm doing that well. We need to look in the mirror and say, hey, how, how am I doing with this? Right? And step up. Do it better. All right, let's look at our second passage. First Peter chapter 1. So verse 22 right, states, Since you have in obedience to the truth purified yourselves for a sincere Philadelphia, right? fervently love one another from the heart for a sincere brother of love. Verse 22 states that in our obedience to the truth, we've purified our souls for a sincere love of the brother. You know, when I first read that, I'm like, what? That isn't why I purified myself. <laughs> and, I, and I know that's not why I purified myself. You know, I, I purified my soul so I get a gold mansion or something, right? Some rest. Def, you know, picture it, define it however you want. I want to walk on streets of gold. I want to see pearls and I want to see, you know, I want to be with God where he's designed me to be. I'm not making fun of the images. I'm just saying, like, when I hear the gospel, that's the driver for me. Stay away from hell. Get in heaven. And you do that by obeying and purifying your soul. Well, Peter says here, since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren. And I, I'm not... I'm not you know, just kind of playing this up, guys. I re- have wrestled with this passage for years. And I'm not going to claim that I still totally understand what he's saying, but I, I think I have a better idea now than I did years ago. You know, that those things, the pictures of heaven and the rest and the peace and the lack of pain and the fear of hell and the fear of pain, those may very well have been motivations for many people to, to first seek out baptism and cleansing from their sins, right? But I think what we don't realize, at the time we don't realize, is that that act of purification starts a transformation. It begins a transformation that is transforming us into a being created for Philadelphia. Right, and I, I know that may or may not make sense. I'm 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 telling you guys, it has taken a long time for me to even formulate this idea in my head. So it may be completely wrong, or it may not make any sense to you. But what Peter's saying is, even when you didn't realize in your obedience, you were purifying yourself for this. Or really, if you want to state it a different way, this is why God wanted to purify you and leave you on earth. Why aren't we taken into heaven the minute we're forgiven? 
We're pure. We're clean. Let's go to heaven. Let's get it over with. God can do that. As soon as someone obeys, he can snap his fingers, blink his eye, and then he's with them for eternity. He can do that. But he leaves us here. Some of us, it's a short time. Some of us, it's a long time. I've been here 24 years since being baptized. What's the, for what? For Philadelphia. It's what Peter says right here. When you obeyed the gospel to purify your souls, it was so you could love your brothers. He's not saying that was your motivation in your mind. He's saying that's what God was accomplishing. That's what God was doing. The, the, the picture from nature that I have is the caterpillar, caterpillar and the butterfly. And if I say those two close together, I'm always going to mess them up. <clears throat> okay. If, if you could talk to the butterfly and say, hey, why did you become a butterfly? Why didn't you just stay a caterpillar? Like, you know, the butterfly would say, well, you know, because I wanted to go fly up there and get, get that nectar out of that flower. And, man, it was just too slow. I mean, we know that they don't, they don't make a choice in that, right? Nature turns them into a butterfly. But I'm just saying, right? Butterflies thinking like really small world kind of thing. Flower, nectar, me. Get there, right? So the butterfly flies. Well, you know, you could inform the butterfly and say, well, you know, really... You were transformed into this butterfly so you could pollinate flowers and produce fruit and you could spread all this pollen everywhere. And, and the butterfly's like, no, that's not why I did it. I know why I did it, and that ain't why I did it. <laughs> right? But you're, but you're taking God's design and explaining it to the butterfly. No, 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 no. That's part of the design, right? You, and look at all these other, look at the birds and the bees. You see how you're always fighting for the flower? All this other stuff is pollinating these things. It's, it's designed in creation for you to go, you know, bounce and bounce and bounce and look at the stuff stuck on your legs. Do you see? That's pollen. You were really transformed so you could pollinate. And the butterfly is like, oh, yeah, okay, so that wasn't my decision maker, but that's what was accomplished in the transformation. To me, it's a, it's a similar kind of thing Peter's touching on here. You're not, you, don't, you don't go under the waters of baptism thinking, man, I can't wait to love my brethren. At least I didn't. If you did, man, kudos. I'm serious. Like, that's very mature attitude, right? But what Peter's saying is, that's really why you were purified and really, like, you're still here. That's massive. I don't think of that as my purpose. Peter says that's it. It manifests itself in all kinds of ways, right? I'm not trying to say, oh, you just you, know, you just go around and be bubbly to everybody and that's your purpose in life. Love is painful sometimes, right? But what I'm saying is that, that can frame our thinking so that we approach life the right way. We approach our brethren the right way. We understand what it means to prefer their honor because that's why we were left here why we're still here it's to prefer the honor of our brethren look at the rest of that passage I'm not going to go you know, through some kind of exposition of the whole six or seven 
verses, whatever, in, in, in 1 Peter there. But I, I just I can't walk away from this without touching on some of these phrases. Starting in verse 17. 1 Peter 1. If you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. This is heavy theology here. It's not confusing theology, but it's not talking about your daily life. But it is heavy theology. It's talking about the sacrifice of Jesus to cleanse you from your sins. There is no more heavy topic, period. In the Bible or in your life, that's it. That's the weight of eternity is Jesus cleansing you through his sacrifice. Now, if we keep going, right? Verse 20. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God. He's saying the way you believe in God is what you know about Jesus. In other words, you really can't believe in God without Jesus. Who through him are believers in God. Because he reveals who God is. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying the Jews didn't believe in God, because they, but they had a picture, right? I mean, we know how messed up their picture was because when Jesus showed up, they're like, that ain't God. Right? I mean, they believed in the real God. They interacted with him. That law was real. But what, what Peter's saying here is, what you know about Jesus allows you to believe in God the right way. All right, again, this is just heavy, heavy, heavy theology, in my opinion, right? But has appeared at the end of verse 20, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers of God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Verse 22, since you've obeyed this, and cleansed yourself for a sincere love of the brethren. Do you see how it transitions? Peter is tying all the weight of this theology to how, how we treat each other. And I don't mean accidentally, right? How we treat each other intentionally. Right? I am by nature just a kind of a cordial, mild-mannered person. And so people sometimes say, oh, that makes you a nice person. Well, no, it doesn't really because I'm not really trying to be nice. I'm just a cordial, mild-mannered person. Right? That's like saying, you know, somebody who doesn't steal, you know, really isn't a thief at heart. Well, no, they might just be a coward. Right? You can be a thief and a coward and never steal anything because you want to steal. That just makes you a coward. I mean, that's good. You should be scared to steal, right? But I'm just saying, right, a person who's really not a thief is someone who doesn't want to steal. Well, just because I'm cordial and mild-mannered with you doesn't mean I'm obeying this. 
What is my intention? What's my motivation? What am I going out of my way to accomplish with you in your life as a brother or a sister? That's brotherly affection. And Peter is tying it to the most profound theology that's in the Bible that before the foundation of the world, God's plan was to purify you and leave you here among your brothers and sisters to do something. Like I said, I I can't go through and expose all of this because we'd be here all day. But I think this passage, if you go back, if you have time, you can think about this later. Go, just go back and check out those six or seven verses, 17 through 23. On both sides of, of verse 22, there's this weight and power that Peter's tying together. So, conclusion. I told you we were only going to look at those two. That's, that's all we're going to look at. So, based on our theme passage in 2 Peter 1, we're supposed to be diligently adding these things to our faith, working on it, you know, it's not some kind of etiquette, right? Or a set of, you know, manners. I've got to be, I've got to be this way, um, on the outside. It's a mode of life, internal to you, inside of you. That's supposed to be accomplished here. It's supposed to be added to and changed. So, how are you doing? And I'm not saying that to try to knock you down. I'm like. Don't look back at your mistakes. Just look at where you are now and the expectation God has says, where are you? Know, how are you doing? If you're taking steps, rejoice in that. Like, hey, you know what? I've, I've got more brotherly affection today than I did a year ago. That's fantastic, right? Now look forward. What can you do more? <clears throat> the reason I've asked that question is so that you're honest with yourself first you know what, I've got some room to improve, or man, I'm terrible at this. In fact, I like have brotherly hatred. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I can't stand my brethren. I don't want to be around them. I don't want to spend any time with them. That's a problem, obviously. But brotherly apathy is right, right behind it. And I don't really care if I'm around my brethren or not. I could be or not. That's a problem. Or, you know... The one that's really insidious is, it's okay, but I prefer to be around my, my non-Christian friends because we have way more fun. I'm not saying being around your friends is a bad thing or liking them is a bad thing, but if you have no preference for your brethren, you need to examine yourself. There's a hundred reasons why that might be the case, right? But you need to think about it and say, why is that? Why do I like being around people who I have no hope for in eternity? more so than I like being around people I'm supposed to spend eternity with. Why is that? I've had to ask that question of myself because I've been there. Lots of times. Right? And it's always been a different answer. And it'll be a different answer for you. But ask the question. Right? Be honest. You know, I kind of got ahead of myself, but not really. I, I want to back up now in the conclusion here and say, you know, none of this matters uh, for the one who hasn't obeyed the truth. And I, I know that that sounds very black and white and very, 
you know, absolute. But it really is true because, you know, you can be the kindest, gentlest, giving, sacrificial person on the face of this planet. And if you go into eternity with your sins, that, that doesn't mean, it doesn't make a hill of beans a difference to God. I mean, I'm not saying that from some special revelation. The New Testament is pretty crystal clear about that. What first and foremost separates us from God is our sin. Not our character, right? Our sin. Right? We repent. We change our mind. And we come to Him and we're baptized for the forgiveness of sins. And then we can start understanding brotherly kindness and brotherly love. I'm not saying you're a bad person if you love your brethren, I mean, or you love people around you, right? That's great. What I'm saying is, if we're talking about eternal things and we're talking about forgiveness, brotherly kindness doesn't pay for your sin. And it never will. I have family members who have told me I'm just trying to be a good person now to pay for the bad things I've done in life and I hope that when I get to eternity God puts them in the balance. Now God can do what He wants to do in eternity. I'm not going to bind Him at all. But He's revealed what He's going to do in eternity. It's, it's not a secret. It's not a mystery. Jesus is going to be the advocate to step forward and say, these are mine, these are not. And when God's wrath goes out, Jesus protects those who are His, and He doesn't those who are not. So, this lesson has been on brotherly kindness, and for those of us who are, are forgiven, and in that state where we are brethren, made brethren by God, this is important. But I also wanted to make sure I was very clear that this isn't some kind of work where we make ourselves right with God. It doesn't exist. Right? And so, again, I wanted to point back to 1 Peter 1.22. Since you have, he doesn't say since you have in understanding the truth purified your souls. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say since you have in hearing the truth purified your souls. He doesn't say since you have in praying about the truth purified your souls. He doesn't say any of that. He says since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls. If you haven't done that, do that. Then go back and listen to this lesson online. <laughs> <laughs> right? And pay attention to the brotherly kindness stuff. Because that's when it's important. Okay. Um, if you if you need to obey for purification, let somebody here know. If if you've obeyed for purification and you need help with this brotherly kindness bit as much as I do, just you know, let's just talk about it. I mean we can talk about the mechanics of this. Like, how do I do this? You know, can I be brotherly kind to you? 
Like, tell me some way I can be brotherly kind to you because I need to know how. We can do that. That's why we're here, is to help each other do that. If you need to respond to the song, we're going to sing a song. You can come forward while we're singing. Talk to anyone. You can talk to us after the song. But we're going to sing this song as a way of inviting you to consider that invitation. So let's, let's all sing as we stand.